Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's Hang. This week I am so honored and excited to be hanging with Carrie Butler. I can't believe in all the years I've been around in this industry, we've never crossed paths, but I'm so glad we did today. Carrie is uh, a one of a kind. Her energy is infectious, her passion for the business and life and just uh, being diverse in what she does as a person and an artist is so inspiring. I'm so glad we got to hang today and Fresh from taking her first directing job, you're going to hear all about it here on The Hang with Carrie Butler. Carrie Butler, welcome to The Hang. It's such an honor, first of all, and it's great to meet you. So nice to meet you. I can't believe we've never worked together before. Or even just cross paths. I know. I know. I was thinking that as I come out, I was like, I was kind of nervous because I was like, oh my God, I hope we didn't do a reading together. And then I say, and then right when you met me, you were like, it's so nice to meet you. I was like, okay, phew, I know we never yeah. Are you finding... <laughs> I'm at that age where I forget things. I'm at that age where I forget oh, things. it's horrible. How do you feel I'm about... Like, I love people, and I feel it, but we do so many little workshops that sometimes... And people will be like, how's your daughter? And like, know her name. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. how do I not remember this? I know, but, and it's scary, because even now, if I'm learning new things, do you mm-hmm. find... I have to let go of the data to bring in new songs. Yeah, yeah, I did to- a, totally. I did a concert like two weeks ago and someone shouted out sing high flying adored and i was like what are the words i've played shay no it's gone because now nikki arnstein had to go in somebody just i'm doing this little um concert like next week and somebody made a compilation of all the songs i've done from broadway shows and i'm listening to it it was lauren molina actually i don't know if you learned but um so i'm listening to it and i'm like oh well she got that wrong i was never in that show i don't know what song this is like for like five songs and they were all songs no and i had no recollection of them. Well, to be fair, Carrie, you've done a lot of shows. Yeah, I should remember. But I, I looked should. at your career. I was like, my Lord, you've done well, so, so much. You. So have you. Come on. It's a no. fraction. No, no. And you've done some incredible things, too. And I'm we were really just, lucky. We were talking off camera how yeah. you originated Bell in Beauty and Beast <laughs> well, in Toronto. Yes, in Toronto. we're talking about Canada and your, yes. your, your love for... Oh. You were there for what, two years? No, um, I did it for a little bit less than a year, but it was oh. so exciting. It was my first lead in a Broadway right. show, and I just love Canada. I love the people. I love how it's not political or, you know, it's just they're so kind. Yeah, and it's a great city in Prince of Wales, Prince, oh, Princess of Wales yes. Theater, you were that. Yeah, gorgeous. That's where we did Les Mis. It's beautiful around that area. Yeah, and just an amazing experience for my first leading role. Can you imagine? <laughs> Oh, no doubt, especially in such a, it's a big old house as well. Yeah, yeah. And who was your beast, Terrence? Um, no, Chuck. Chuck, oh, Chuck Wagner. Wagner, that's right. Yes, because I didn't do it on Broadway. I, I originated the Toronto production. I didn't originate the, the Broadway production. So why is Terrence in my head? He did it here? Terrence originated on Broadway. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, no, yes, Terrence originated on Broadway. Yes, yes, yes. And did you and have then a comp- I came to Broadway. That's where I saw it. Yes, and I did it with Jeff McCarthy. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And Chuck Wagner again, yeah. Amazing. 
So where do you begin with someone like you? I was thinking about it, like, what are we going to talk about? We could easily go through your resume, but I'm sure you've done that to death over and over again. <laughs> so what, what kept coming up in my mind is someone, you're still reinventing, you're still yes. doing incredible things, you're, you got many talents, you know, you just finished doing Beetlejuice prior to that, Mean Girls, mm -hmm. and it's very much critically acclaimed. Where do you keep the passion? Where do you keep the inspiration? How do you keep that going? What is it that keeps you going? Yeah, those are great questions. Because these are things Actually, I these, kind of want to These are things I'm from. feeling right now, especially after COVID. You know, we had that break during COVID, and then I felt so lucky to go back into Beetlejuice because it was like, you know, you weren't open before COVID, right? You opened during COVID? Uh, well, that's... You know, I mean, you weren't you weren't open and then had to shut down immediately. No, no that's no. right. Yeah, so we had to shut down and it was like, we thought we were going to close for two weeks and then it was like gone. You didn't get to say goodbye to anybody. So coming back was like this amazing experience um, and also not working for two years to mm. know like you're going to get a paycheck again. Um, but it was so hard because... I'm someone who like follows the rules and so I would hide in my dressing room because I was so scared that I was going to be the one who gives COVID to everybody and then has to shut down the show because somebody told me, I don't remember, but somebody told me like if because we had to switch theaters, it was so expensive. If COVID went through our cast and they had to shut down, like we would not open again. So it's like I carried this huge oh, like pressure to not get sick. I would never did anything. So it wasn't as fun as I wish it was because I was so scared and I like didn't socialize with anybody mm. and I'm usually like really fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I usually like now. organize all things backstage and Easter egg hunt in the theater and all this do stuff. That, yeah, I do. Um, and I did a little bit, but I didn't do as much as I normally do. And I hardly knew the new cast members, which I felt really bad about. So anyway, all of that to say that, um, it was great. I was so excited to be back on theater. But now, usually, you know, like I was involved with Beetlejuice for like seven years from the first reading. to wow. And you, that's what we have to do, right? We're always like, oh, well, maybe this one's going to go. Maybe this one's going to go. And I don't have anything now. Seven years, though. Yeah. That's yeah. But it was easy because it was, you know, like a reading here, mm -hmm. you know, a workshop here. Um, I think I think that's how long. I know I was in the first reading and then we did a few workshops I think it was that long um and I did Mean Girls in between there right. but so I don't have anything now and I'm kind of thinking like I don't know I want to connect more with people now that we ha haven't for three years I wasn't allowed to and I love teaching and I just took my first directing job <laughs> directing newsies in Florida really yeah but it's with kids and so I'm really excited about that and I just thought like um, two people offered me directing jobs in like a matter of two weeks. And so I thought, okay, universe, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. Maybe I'm meant to do this. So I'll just say yes. But how, wh why would they offer you that? Did you plant seeds <laughs> that you no, wanted to talk about? No, no, I never thought about directing. You never even said Never to anybody. Never. It wasn't even in my head. Did you do The newsies? only thing is I directed my daughter over the summer. I direct my daughter and her friends in a show every single summer. And I take her from working, so I directed them in Beetlejuice. Word got around, them in Carrie. Girls. <laughs> I even heard about kids, that. The seven kids in our show in our backyard. <laughs> they fucked <laughs> they this for me. Social media is a powerful thing, you know. We well, all I, were watching it. It went viral. <laughs> I did post about the show. I mean, it literally was seven kids. And um, Adam Maitland, we didn't have a boy for him, so we used to blow up dogs. <laughs> And I gave the Brilliant. girl all the roles, all of his lines. <laughs> <So> <laughs> he was just like, yes, and. 
Okay, so there's a lot I want to unpack there. I yeah. want to talk about, okay, you, your brain as a director. Because every now and then, like I'm about to go back into the phantom world and I feel like, oh, I want to put my aura in creatively as well. But I'm like, I want to stay in my lane I don't know if they want to hear from me. Yeah. But I'm finding myself wanting to have those conversations too. So I'm like, do I want to direct? Yeah. Where do you begin? Where do you, you, you get your script, you have ideas. What do you know about staging, sets, yeah. lighting? I'm just hoping Making I Making it up as you go? I don't, yeah, I am. <laughs> I mean, I'm watching like direct, I'm watching Ron Howard's directing Masterclass. Brilliant, and, good place to but start. But yeah, I mean, I feel like I've worked with so many directors that I feel like I'll know. For sure I'll know the acting part. For sure I'll know the staging because I'm sure you've worked with some directors who don't know how to work with actors and you end up like staging stuff yourself and talking to them about your motivation right. and stuff like that. So I feel like... That will come easy. The technical stuff is what I'm really a little bit worried about. But, you know, it's a little theater in Florida. They're going to help me. So. Well, I guess you also assemble a team that. Yes. That you, knows what they're doing. Yeah. And, and you, I'll trust them. <laughs> and you kind of give a vision. This is what I'm looking for. How do you think we can get that? Right. Then your lighting designer can say, well, why don't we do this? Or yeah. your choreographer. So when you talk about directors who are, you know, he's a, he's a, they are a, a actor's director. Uh-huh. As an artist, as an someone on stage telling the story, how do you want to be directed? Do you want someone talking to you about motivation, backstories? Do you want to build that with said director? Or do you want to just come to the party with this, is what I'm doing, where it's my boundaries? Yeah, I think it depends on the role in the show, right? Like, because some, some, like Hairspray, for instance, um, I kind of made that part completely my own. Like so much of it wasn't on the script and they just gave me freedom. Also because I'm secondary character, so they really need to focus. They needed to do all that work with Marissa and Harvey. Right. And so it's kind of fun when, and then and then they were like, oh, I like what you're doing there. They're, and then they write it into the script. I like that too. Because yeah. when the attention's not on, you're like, I can try this. Yeah. I'm going to go do this now. Yeah, yeah. So, so I like that. But then when you have a really hard role, and you really need guidance. You really need somebody else to tell you what's working, what's not working. Yeah. I feel like that is almost even more in like straight plays and things like that. So in roles like Hairspray or Mean Girls, you did three, three parts. Yeah. Do you, you you strike me as someone who likes to play? Yes. With your energy, I'm gathering even in this first five ten minutes. <laughs> How do you self-monitor yourself where it's like, that was too much fun or I overstepped the boundary here. Like, yeah, do you I, for sure. I, direct, I, I trust the director for that. And, and like, especially that's a great example because when I was Miss George, I was like, oh my God, like way over the top. And Casey would sometimes be like, I love it. Just bring it down a notch, you know? <laughs> but that's good. So you yes. are, because sometimes this is probably a validation for myself. I like, I'll keep going until I'm told not to. Yes. Because I'm like. We'll try. 100%. And in my head, I'm trying to serve the piece. Right. And every because also, then, you don't want to steal focus from like the main correct. thing that's happening. And you don't correct. know when you are and when it's something the audience is loving. But when you have a little free-for-all, I want to keep going to, to the, just, you know, I like to try things. I don't like to necessarily not follow my instinct and have a cookie cutter performance every night. 100%. That's what I don't want. Okay. It's I've great had, to meet you. <laughs> yes, yes you've, I've had those experiences where it's like, this is what you, and also like, even like, this is what you have to do. You have to do this, you know? And yeah. so I would rather, I would rather less direction and when it counts. Okay. And especially in the beginning, I would want less, because I would want to find it myself 
And so it comes from me mm-hmm. and then kind of be guided after that. Right. That's what I love about rehearsals too. Oh, I, I, I tend rehearsals. to, I really want to show up as best I can almost off book. Yeah. So then you can play every day. Yeah. And then make, you know, adjustments and whatnot. It's um, tricky though, because sometimes when I'm off book, then I feel like I have my line reading stuck in my head. Yeah. So it's a little bit tricky, but you have to just try not that. to do that. But then I, I, you seem responsive to what you're going to get as well, right? For sure. For sure. I love that process. Me so, too. That's what I was thinking. I was like, rehearsal is my favorite part of the process. Yeah. So maybe I'll love being a director. I don't know. Or maybe I'll hate it. <laughs> so did you? I didn't do it yet. Oh, when is it? It's it's coming up in October. Oh. I just I just said yes to doing it. They just like announced it that I'm doing it. So what, so that's what have you done so far? You've been watching Ron Yeah, all, Ron I've, been wa- all I've done so far is watch Ron Howard. You've listened to the cast album. I know I know the show. I know the themes. But, but I... I can't even get the script because they don't get the script. They don't until it's like really close to the actual production. So I'm going to have to try and figure out how to get the script ahead of time so I can like dig in. Is this one of those one week runs or one no. month? No. No. I feel like maybe it's, I don't, I actually don't even know. Where in Florida is it? I'm Sarasota. It's called Rise Above. Oh, I the love theater. Sarasota. Yeah, me too. Love and the my, West Coast of Florida. And my family lives right there. So I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to stay in my parents' house and I'll get to visit with them. So it'll be nice. I want to live in Longboat Key, Florida. That's beautiful. Gorgeous there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to come down and see this. <laughs> see your di- direct, well, this is your second director. Oh, right. The backyard. Yeah. The garage, our garage. <laughs> you nervous? Um. You seem more excited. I'm more excited, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like a big pressure thing I feel like and most of these are kids so I'm probably going to know more than that <laughs> yeah I'm sure oh, it's hopefully gonna be great. and you're gonna have people around you yes hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So then where else I wanted to dive into, you mentioned about Beetlejuice being seven years. Yeah. So you literally got there from day one. First workshop. Yeah, the first reading. Yeah. I bet the ink wasn't dry off the first draft. No, yeah, we changed it so much since then. How much input did you have in that? A lot. Um, I mean, it was, they knew who the character was right away. But um, I would say I usually like to trust the writers. I think the writers are really smart almost all the time. And I don't give my input until we're kind of farther along. Sometimes I might say, you know, if a scene isn't working or a song isn't working, something like that. But Mm -hmm. most of the big strokes I leave to them. And then, like, when I'm in front of an audience, then I can really feel what's working and not Correct. not working. And so I have, in two shows, I've given up my solo song because I've said, you know, I have to have my eye on the whole piece. And I don't want to give up my song, but I know it's not working. I know it's not serving the piece. Yep. And so that happened in Beetlejuice. And they turned it into a duet, and it worked out much, much, much better. Oh, that's good. But what's interesting is we they changed it from, from D.C. to New York to this other song that was also a duet. I loved it. We were doing it in our final workshop. We get to the theater. It's in tech. 
were about to be in front of an audience and they called me into the office and and um, or like the lobby actually and they're like we have to show you something I was like I'm like oh my god what am I getting fired <laughs> what's happening and um, uh, they were like we have this idea for this other song and we want you to listen to it before we even think about it and I'm like but we didn't even do the other one in front of an audience yet. You don't want to just try that one out. So they played it for me and I was like, okay, it's great. So yeah, let's try it. So we blocked it in the lobby of the theater and then put it in, in tech rehearsals. I mean, in our first preview, because we were already in tech. So how many, how long did you, did they have to get it ready? Well, he, I guess they had been writing it without telling us. Right. And they, so they showed me it while we were in tech, while we were about to start previews. And so the first preview, we did it with this new song that we never did in a run-through. Wow. <laughs> don't you love tech? Yeah. <laughs> I do love tech. I think it's exciting. I don't think I've had many curveballs like that. The worst is when you, you've learned a song and it's, it's set and it's going, but they'll like maybe alter two or three lyrics. <gasps> oh, yeah. I'd rather a bigger change than that. Yeah, yeah. That's really tricky. Alex but, Brightman's like crazy good with that. I don't know. I hear he's pretty. Like, uh, yeah, I pretty mean that would drive. Me, that would drive me. I would have to be in my dressing room just going over those few lines because the, once the song is stuck in your head, it's so hard to rememorize something else. Right. So looking at your career, you t you've done all, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of like high octane energy. Mm -hmm. Have you ever dived into the sort of darker passenger roles? You know. Yeah. Yeah. I. I did. Um, a play called The Call at Playwrights Horizon. And um, it was about um, adopting from Ethiopia, which I did. I, saw, I read that, yeah. Yeah, and so that was two. really, yeah. And so right. it was really moving to be able to tell that story, even though it wasn't my story, it was similar to my story. Right. And something and I'm very passionate about. What came first, the adoption or your, the play? My adoption came wow. first. So, yes. how'd you find that process? You know, they all, you'll want to conduit to a character, but then there's sometimes you don't want too, too much of yourself because. The story, as you say, is not you. Right. How do you find that balance? It was hard. You know, it's so funny. I ended up throwing out my back because it's so emotional. The play was so emotional. And it just brought back all of that anxiety about, you know, are you getting your child? Are you mm. not? And, and uh, so, you know, it, it was very personal. But yeah, she was a different person. But yeah, I definitely drew from my own experience. And they were very receptive to hearing, you know, my own journey. Um I think it always has to come from yourself, right? And yeah, then we just, point for we sure. always, and then we just layer things. But I would say that was, well, she was different than, she was a different person than me. Um, but it's so interesting how our characters affect us because she was an artist and now I'm obsessed with art. And, and so I feel like I take something from every character I play. I'm going to come back to the art in a second, just to tie into what we spoke about before. How were those conversations with the director? Was that different process for you? Or yes. again, because you had yes. so much of it. Yes. Um, she, the writer, also adopted from, from Ethiopia. So it wasn't her story either, but she drew from her own personal experience. So it was different. I mean, very different from musical theater because it was a mm. lot of talking, a lot of conversations. And, and you know, for me, I'm like, are we going to, like, do it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so in that, but, but yes, exciting and collaborative and hard because, and, and, um, our director, Lee Silverman, she, she was like, Carrie, you really, um, are like one of the least, um, wait, I'm going to not egotistical, but, um, vain because I'll let my, cause I let myself get really ugly because that was an ugly time. Yeah. That kind of, um, vulnerability and 
ang- how how um, that manifests itself. That anxiety can come out as anger mm-hmm. because it, the stakes are so high. This dream of having a child and then maybe it not happening. So how long was that run? Um, it was a few months, I think. Your body must have been wrecked. It was. It was. I can't believe that. that um, just your emotions are so connected to your body. I'm finding out more and more now too how my body's yeah. reacting to emotion, stress. Obviously, fatigue is self-explanatory, but our bodies are connected to our emotions, yeah. right? And I feel like, especially over the last sort of two years, three years, as we're readjusting ourselves, mm-hmm. my body's been pretty beat up. Same. And I'm like, but I'm doing less. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not aging. Yeah. It's not about being older. No, yeah. That's what I keep telling myself. Yeah. I know. That's the same thing, too. I'm like, I'm so tired. Like, I don't know if I could do another Broadway show right now. <sighs> How'd you find doing eight shows a week? Because why? this is the first time in my life I'm going, by the time I get to the eighth, I'm like, I feel like I've done 12. Yeah. Grateful. Yeah. Don't yes, get me wrong. But I'm like, grateful. I never used to f- me too. feel it so much. Yeah. Yeah. Are we getting older? <laughs> Probably. But also, it could have been, you know, two years of not doing anything. We're not tour fit. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'll. I'll. Let's. Let's. let's <laughs> and there's still so all the testing that we'd have to do. All the, it's so stressful. It's like extra stress. In addition to doing the eight shows a week, I feel like. Are you still testing all the time? We've just stopped. So nice. And it's not. It's and it's first time I'm now seeing people maskless, and I'm like, yeah. so that's what you look like. A I year know. into the run, it's so weird. I'm meeting them for the first time yeah. again. So I'm like, huh? That's what you look the like. The crew. You never yeah. know. I know. Same thing. It just give me a double take every now and then. I'm like, hey, buddy, Neil, yeah. how are you doing? Yeah. Um, arts, artists, it's the art side yes. that oh, inspired yes. you. What kind of art? I love watercolor, and I'm really? just I'm doing acrylics now. I paint all flowers. <laughs> really? Yeah, I love it. I could like it's the only way I feel like I could lose myself and lose sense of time. And I'm not particularly good, but I just love oh, it's it. It's not about that. It's about expressing yeah. yourself, right? Yeah, and I just. You know how addictive your phone is and social media is? I feel like, and it, it got me through COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, it's just so relaxing to me. I love it so much. So when you got inspired to do that, had you dabbled with art before? I did when I was little and I, I forgot that I used to do it. My, my parents actually, they were on my podcast and um, they were like, we were really worried about you when you were little because you would log yourself in your room and just draw pictures all the time and never didn't have any friends. Well, it all worked out. It worked out, yeah. So what do you do with the art? Um, sometimes I auction it off for charity. Nice. Um, but most of it now, or I'll, I'll actually give a lot of it away, like cards to friends for birthdays, things like that. Um, but now it's mostly just sitting around my house. I, I should do something more with it. I, I sell them at the Broadway Cares flea market. Do you? Yeah. And do you, is this on your Instagram? It's not really because I have it. I mean, I post sometimes the pictures I do, but it's really for me. But But maybe I should do more with it. We'll see. Do you try and do this as and when you feel it, or do you set specific times in the week? Like, this time for me to... When I start getting in a bad mood, I'm like, oh, you did not paint at all for the past few days. Oh. Yeah. So that's your equivalent of journaling. Yeah. That's lovely. Mm-hmm. I want to see some of this. I'll show you. I'll show you after. <laughs> so we talk about charities. I, and we spoke a little bit about this off camera because it's something I want to start looking at more and not arbitrarily. Yes. Just being yes, 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 because you want to be passionate about it too, you know? Right, right. 
what's connect? Do you have certain ones you're always connected to, or because we talked? I know you want to help with the sure, younger folk. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Whenever I talk to schools, you know, on acting, I always say try and volunteer if you can because this business is just so hard. You mm. know, your self worth is about whether you're working or not working, and if you have something else that bring, makes you feel worthy, then it won't beat you up as much. The rejection won't hurt as much. Right. So I've been kind of volunteering my whole life. Now that I have kids, it's much harder. I don't do it as much. Um, but when I was um, younger, before I had kids, my favorite one that I did was um, there was this program, because I really have a heart for foster kids. And so I like to do stuff that's not connected to theater most of the time, just because that's kind of, you know, my job. Yeah. And I want to have other things. But so I had this job where I would... Um, there was this program for keeping families together instead of putting, trying to get kids not to go into foster homes. And I was like sort of a social worker's assistant. And we would go into all these homes and help the families be able to not lose their children. And sometimes, you know, those social workers are really, they're overloaded with cases. And so I would get assigned families and I would just have to go there and like play with the kids or make sure they had food in the fridge, make sure the parents are doing the things that they had to do. And I had a lot of time back then. Um, so I would go like three times a week. And one of the families I'm still friends with and the girl oh. is like 22 now and she comes over to my house for the holidays and everything. And That's amazing. It's like an extended family. For yeah. You. Yeah. And I just... It was, I never had a love for something as much as theater as when I was doing social work. And so sometimes I think maybe I should go back to school, be a social worker, but I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to know. And I was well, going to tell doing you. It. You're doing that work. When you, you When you look for volunteer work, sometimes it's hard. As you because like you'll call these places and they, you'll be like, don't you want me to volunteer? They won't call you back. Well, that happened to me. I signed up yeah. for Thanksgiving here because I don't celebrate that. I was on my own. Mm-hmm. It was so hard to find something, yes. and I found something, then they canceled it. I was like, Yeah, well, yeah. What do I do now? <laughs> do you know about New York Cares? That's what it was with. Oh, that's. Yeah, was, oh, yeah. okay. Well, still, there, there's still great opportunities there. And right. I feel like you have to kind of experiment to find what your real passion is. Like, there's, you know, you can read to kids in um, a housing, a homeless shelter. Um, you can, um, all kinds of different things or if you're more care more about the environment you go to a beach and clean up at the beach there's just lots of different opportunities and i would say try a lot because yeah. it's hard to find the right fit sometimes don't give up well that's something i'll dive back into because it's something i spoke with jared from our show he was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago um and by the time this goes out it's probably been out and he said about finding yourself in the service of others mm, i love that i think I, I i think he thought someone said it but i read i came up in something i was reading soon after that and i think einstein said that but oh. i could be wrong but i thought it's so true though because I, I, I feel like at 44 i'm more of a kid in a man's body than ever yeah you're still refining yourself or continuing to find yourself i don't know which it is yes and with our industry and like you know i'm trying to podcast I find myself, why do I podcast? Why did I decide to do this? <laughs> you're an artist on stage. You're looking for TV work, but it's very self-serving. Yes. But that's our shop front, right? Yes. But at some point, I want to closer business. I'm going to go do something else. And I think maybe that that is the answer is in service of others. And it's probably connected to something that you love, something you're passionate about. Yeah. 
And then you can serve it. And if you meditate on it, I feel like opportunities will suddenly come to you. Just like the directing thing, how I didn't even know. And I was just putting it out there. Like I want it, I know I want to do something else. And I don't know if if I'm going to love doing it, but I said yes, even though I have no idea what I'm going to do. And so I feel like opportunities will come to you. Um, What other stuff do you love to do? I've been so busy just doing the yeah, do. See, it's that's true. the problem. That's... Sometimes we get so busy doing things that we it's think funny. we should be doing. My therapist asked me the same question. What is it you want? Oh my you gosh. Know? Yeah. Who knew this was going to turn into a therapy session? Well, <laughs> like yourself, I do like, it's, it's all art related. I do like to draw. You I like do. to read. I like to travel. I like to. I love traveling. But then I still feel like, is that, how is that serving others? Right, right. But I've learned with what we do, which gave me a, another bolt of energy for what we do there's a service in that too sure because for some reason at times i don't know if through your career have you thought like you just said what what else can i do yeah and this director thing came up or you know you serve with your charities every time i think about that like i've had that several times for my career i'm like maybe it's time for something else you know yeah i think that's and good suddenly you're doing another show or right. something comes in that's right. But it's Such good to always have that moment of surrender that you can give it up if you, See, you can let it go. Yeah. So then you're not that desperate person that I have to get it. If I, I'm nothing if I don't do it. It's, Correct. And that's what I found, which gave me the energy. I'm like, well, every time you've, I've surrendered, I found something has come up, whether it's Funny Girl or some other things that are on the table. Now I'm like, well, maybe that's a way to serve still because art is important. Yes. There is More an than audience. Ever. 100%. And there's an audience who want to come to these things. Mm-hmm. I know it's expensive. So it's like amazing that it's, we're able to do this, especially like look at Funny Girl. So I'm very grateful that they're full houses. But I think we'll use that as a service as well. I know we're getting paid. I know it's yeah. a, a career, which I'm so amazed that I still get to do. But maybe treat it like a service too, because art's important. We want people to, for two, three hours, to surrender as well. Yes. I do think, like I, I said this to you before, I always thought my purpose was backstage and not on stage because I felt like we get so much. We're so lucky. You know, like how many people wish they could be doing what we're doing on stage. Mm. And so I feel like that's the reward for me. And so like our conversation right now, I felt like that's my purpose to give to other people backstage because so many actors are just broken and wrapped up in this business because it's so hard. Um, but now, like doing Beetlejuice's time, I never felt more on purpose doing the show, I have to say, because our country is so divided. And to have an audience of, you know, different people from different religions, different backgrounds, different political beliefs all come together and laugh at the same time, yeah. cry at the same time, that is what we need more than anything right now. I agree. So I, so I do feel like you are serving a purpose in that way. Well, that makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do agree with that too. I think with what we do, our, our door should be an open door policy because we, we got to have less disenfranchisement and more unity. Mm-hmm, After mm-hmm. all, this country of yours is called the United States and you want more unity, right? And, yeah, yeah. And we're still, you know, there's still a lot of healing I'm finding. Well, we find it with ourselves in, as individuals. So I'm not special. Everyone's going through a lot of similar things too. Yeah. And you know, your background is so unique. You know, that you 
grew up in Canada and Iran, right? I was born in Iran, yeah. And and then England. So maybe you're meant to be a peacemaker. Maybe you're meant to use your social media as a peacemaker. I think I've caused less peace at really? times. But yeah, well, maybe. Well, sometimes yeah. you need to not cause peace to make peace. Okay, I'll remember that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And I'm trying to have a different relationship with social media too. Cause, I know, and it's again, hard. Again, you talk about, okay, well, how can we be of service? And I think, all right, well, we sing. We perform. Mm-hmm. I'll use that as an extension, as a smaller stage. Yeah. If people want to. I think the troubling part is that what do we do when we're not doing that? You know, because so much of our time is not doing that. And then does our identity collapse? Because like, you know, I don't have any, I'm not singing for anybody now. No, I'm but not then performing. There's, but there's, is there a difference between your public identity to your personal identity, to who you are as a, right. and your family? Because yeah. there's things oh, that my family. I wouldn't yes, sure, show sure, that sure. online. No, it's oh yeah, I'm that. not talking about online. I'm just talking about like our purpose if it's whether it's, you know, just wrapped up in performing and singing. No, I can't be just that. Right, I can't. No. I don't no. identify like I'd like to think who I am as a person, what defines me acting is not that. Right. That's but don't you feel do. like a lot of people do? Yeah. yeah. But that's also what I've shown what I show them online. So yes. I it doesn't bother me because I'm like, well, that's what I've offered. Right. Um but like with social media, I, I kind of want to use YouTube for a certain thing, Instagram for a certain thing, and then the other one's just more for, it's like for me, it's a business tool. Totally. A promotion thing. Same. But I've taken comments off where I can, because I'm like, I don't do it for comments. I don't do what we do all night to get feedback. I do it because I love it. Yeah. So we'll just keep offering it. As, and I don't need the comments, because one, also it stops me scrolling. Yeah, <laughs> I now I can just smart. post and walk away, that's and it is smart. what it is. Yeah. And then I found, now I'm having more fun doing that. Good. And gives me more energy, gives me more, less wasting time. Yeah. Because a lot of it can be entertaining too. And I'm like, an hour later, I'm like, I've been on this thing for an hour. I know. But, you know, it's finding that balance. But we're still finding our feet. Mm Mm-hmm. So you podcast. I do, yes. Breaking Broadway. Yes, yes, yes. Because um, I don't know if you get this, but my biggest question that I get asked on Instagram or all the time at the stage door or whatever was how can I make it to Broadway? You know, and so I made a whole podcast filled with tips for people on how to make it Broadway. So I have casting directors, directors. Um, Amazing. Yeah, I have a new season coming out and that's kind of... That's third season, right? Yeah, and it's um, how do we do eight shows a week? So I have, you know... I have, and I don't get like my famous friends. I kind of get people with interesting stories that yeah. I, I think, like I have my, um, the person who teaches me Pilates, <laughs> she's from France and she wants to be a dancer on Broadway. And it's just like interesting to nice. me. And she's helping, she helped me and she's getting over an injury. So I think she can help people, you know, but I do have, I have Angie Shore on, you know, yeah. dancer extraordinaire who's been in a million shows too so i kind of bounce it balance it out that way so that was a great reason to start and are you enjoying it yeah yeah i do really like it actually when you podcast and set up a season do you have a certain amount like i'm doing six i'm doing 12. no no i kind of like let it take me where it takes me until it, until you're busy to do yes it. exactly i i mean nice. i feel like i have maybe eight episodes this time for the season and that's good <laughs> how long does each podcast last um half hour to an hour i would say how long usually? have we been going <laughs> oh we're doing okay we're doing okay <laughs> and you're on the same network broadway mm-hmm, podcast network mm-hmm. which i like because they can help edit it all up for sure i used to do that my first few seasons but boy that takes a lot of work 
Yeah, no, I would not do that. <laughs> no, but it was during the pandemic, so I had time. It's like, I'll sure, it for a sure, while. sure. But then after a while, I was so tired of hearing my own voice and look at myself. I'm like, nope. Yeah, they're very, very nice to me. They take good care of me. <laughs> That's great. Let me ask a couple, see if we got some fan questions or supporters, I should say. What's Xanadu? Mm-hmm. I just said, you got any questions? And um, someone <laughs> just goes, Xanadu. Definitely something about Xanadu for sure. <laughs> Um, okay, Xanadu was the hardest show I ever did because I'm very uncoordinated. I'm like one of the most uncoordinated people that you will ever see. And I can, can't really dance. And I was on roller skates. I thought I was going to die every night. And I, <laughs> I, and I took tons of lessons before we started. And, um, but I really thought they were going to fire me because I told Chris Ashley once we started, I was like, just so you know, I can't act because I'm still, still in my head, like push off on this foot, stop on this foot. And, um, and I really, so I really couldn't, and, and that, I was also playing three characters. And um, at, after, you know, it ended up, he stuck with me and ended up going great. And I joked with him after, I was like, you know, I thought you were going to fire me the whole time. And he's like, hmm, like deadpan. <laughs> <laughs> so he really, he actually was thinking about it. And I would even get skating lessons on my lunch break because I was so obsessed. Like I, I couldn't do it. It was really hard. I'm glad I asked that. That's funny. <laughs> and uh, one more. Again, it's just a general ask of catch me if you can. I bet that was a lot of fun to work on. Oh, my God. Yes. Norbert, Aaron. So great. Love them. We got to go out of town together in Seattle. Um, and also working with the same team from Hairspray. Jack O'Brien. Oh, Jack. Of course. Mark I did Love Never Scott. Dies. I think that. Oh, you did Love Never Dies with him. He's the best. I could listen to talk for hours. Me, I used to want to record his. his yeah. I mean, talk about working with great directors. Yeah. Like, yeah. There was one where I'm like, we're just going to sit and talk for half hour. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. He's, I mean, he would give us these motivational speeches that just, and that's it. That's all the direction you needed. And it was about his experience, like life. Yeah. Did he talk about how you live life in decades? He will, our show, you know, well, Hairspray, um, he would talk about how he was, the protests affected him because he was, you know, lived through that mm. and uh, how he was protesting and kind of the things he thought. Yeah. Yeah, I remember him sitting down talking like your 20s, you think you're something. Oh. And it's like where you make all your mistakes. In 30s, you really start figuring out those mistakes and whatnot. 40s, you start driving your life. Really? 50s, you really start living your life. 60s, now the fun begins. I was like, Ooh. wow, all right. All right, we have something to look forward to. And I was in my 20s when you told me that story. And now in my 40s, I'm like, he's right. Because uh -huh. my decades have been so different. Yes, same. I feel like I have so much less pressure on myself now, too. Yeah. You know, it's like, if I don't get on Broadway, who cares? <laughs> yeah. And before, I'd be like, I have to be in a show, you know? So then to finish off, like, we, you talk, you said, a, I love this phrase recently, because I've been listening to a lot of Jay Shetty's podcast, On Purpose. Mm -hmm. And you said On Purpose. Yeah. And I think, just to wrap it up with how you do eight shows a week, at this point... With all you've done, and you feel like I feel like you're still done your first Broadway job with your energy and your, <laughs> your passion. But again, it's I guess it's what you just said. It's that that surrender, that release, that less pressure on yourself. Uh huh. Maybe that's the, uh, the sort of amalgamation of living your life in decades. Where, oh man, if if I could tell my twenty year old self certain yeah. things, which I mean, I, could, I just I do love it so much. Still, every day I go on the stage door, I'm like, oh my gosh stage door you know and and i do feel like i could be happy doing it anywhere in the country broadway is mm. just a name like if you know if broadway if i grow out of broadway broadway doesn't want me anymore 
I'll be once my kids are grown, I'll be like doing community theater someplace, <laughs> you know. See, I love that. I have that same uh, mentality because I've been very blessed to like work Japan, Korea, mm. Australia, England here, and I don't. Broadway is not a goal. It's like, yeah. what's the show we're doing? Yeah, that's exciting. And yeah. if it happens to be somewhere great like Japan, sign me up. Yeah. Someone tweeted me today about the fan. I'm like, why Trieste? And I just wanted to write back, why not? Why not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> why not? That was super exciting. Yeah. Why not? And it's never been there. Anyhow, Carrie, you're amazing. Oh, thanks. And so I feel you. like oh, I don't even know if we scratched the surface. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm good at doing this, but I love doing it because I get to meet people like you and. I've been a student for you in, in the last 40 minutes, so hmm. thank you so much. Thank you. So Breaking Broadway, season three. Yes. I don't know Broadway when this will come out, but... Podcast Network. Dot com. <laughs> no. Is it dot com? What's that? Broadwaypodcastnetwork.com? Broadway <laughs> yes. There you go. Just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> All the best. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the hang. That was so fun. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.